I invite you to turn to your uh, Bibles to uh, Acts 2, which is the uh, passage that tells the remarkable story of Pentecost. And then we will turn to Ezekiel after that, chapter 36. And I would like to uh, pray, but first I want to tell you why I named this uh, message that I put together this week, or last couple of weeks. Um, I was on holidays uh, years ago, I don't know, some hick town uh, down in the south uh, British Columbia, and uh, there were some hot springs. Anyways, uh, it was there that this story took place, and uh, what happened was on vacation, I, I just act a little bit uh, different maybe, in terms of my family, because I want to gather my four children, and back then they were just little kids, and then I just get strangers to tell us one thing, okay? So I get my four kids, and, and I say, can I ask you a question? Because I'm like this extreme extrovert, and my, that wasn't funny. <laughs> and my, my kids actually say, uh, oh, Dad, do we have to? And I go, well, this is this is what life's all about. Look at this guy relaxing with his wife on the side of the hot springs. He probably knows what life's all about. Let's ask him. So I, I do this. And in this hot springs, I ask three different couples. And the one, you know, usually couples respond with some kind of question like, who are you? And why do you want to know? You know I, but this one couple, about 60 years old, seemed to just, enjoy this moment, said right away, oh, dance. And I went, what? And my kids are still looking at me like, that's it, dance? She says, if you learn to dance, you can live life. And I said, are you Christian? They go, no. (laughs) (laughs) And we talked a little about why I asked that question. I was fascinating because when he began to feel the need to explain what he was saying, he talked about how life can be beautiful if you learn how to dance. This morning's message is called Dancing with the Spirit. It's not dancing in the Spirit. I could have just as well titled it Cooperate with the Spirit because I think in a nutshell this morning's message is simply the Spirit is present, it has been, We are sometimes so busy, I am anyways, that we miss some of the times when the Spirit is trying to breathe life. And so when we hear the words this morning, dance with the Spirit, perhaps the analogy is not simply something that comes to mind that reminds you of the latest lunatic or something radical. But simply the philosophy of how beautiful it can be when we learn and practice all our lives to dance with the Holy Spirit. Having said that, let's read Acts chapter 2 as you have that in front of you, but I would like to pray first. Heavenly Father, with you as our leader, we look to your word to breathe life into us, to excite us, to create that beauty, and Lord, for your sake, not for ours. As we read, may you cut into our hearts like those first disciples. May you teach us. 
May you throw those obstacles only to help us understand that we are looking for endurance and perseverance that helps us testify to who you are and that we may grow in who you are because of the power of your Holy Spirit. And as we read your word, may this be true and alive, not only for this time, but for the days and weeks and years that we have been blessed with as a gift called our lives. In your holy name we pray. Amen. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Let us turn to Ezekiel chapter 36, and we'll read our text for today, verses 26 through 27. An Old Testament passage of prophecy. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is the word of the Lord. Having now just established the fact that we are talking about dancing with the Spirit, I do want to ask that question that the disciples asked one another, as well as all these people we read about in Acts chapter 2, what does this mean? There's a great deal of thoughts that go into Pentecost. Of course, we have denominations that have fought over this. It is a loaded question, but this morning I simply want to deal with some scriptural facts that may help us understand the whole purpose of why we need to dance with the Spirit. And that is because the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, whom Peter declared when he was explaining to this on the day of Acts 2, that Jesus Christ died, rose again, and gave us an understanding that his richness, grace, and mercy is now a gift that had been handed to us for us to receive in order to live in that moment and then add and multiply not only in our lives and in the creation around us, but in the people in which we have around us as well. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to give life and give it abundantly. 
There is an Old Testament concept that Ezekiel is dealing with because people have tried to understand what was happening on Pentecost. Now they are rooted back into their, their past in which they know quite well, being the Old Testament scriptures, that, that has them understanding this law, but that this prophet once said it is the law that is then going to be what gives life, which is who Christ is when he said, I have come to fulfill the law. And essentially what has happened is it has turned into a list of do-nots, known as the commandments, that has now hit the F5 refresh button under the new covenant, in which is a gift called living with this Holy Spirit. His presence is with us in order that we would then give life because in the Old Testament the commands were essentially set in place so that people could have life and have it abundantly. But through this new covenant we see the fulfillment and the continuation of its purpose in the blessing of who Christ is and who the Holy Spirit is. What we are essentially being asked to do when the disciples and all these people are experiencing what we've read in Acts 2 and other portions of Scripture like Acts chapter 4, which also at the end you will see is a Pentecost day, and at the end of Acts chapter 10, which is also another Pentecost day, and you can read it for yourself because the Holy Spirit came, is something that happens not only on those three days, but throughout life since that promise has been fulfilled. And as a result, we are simply being told by God, please put your dancing shoes on and get ready to practice and get ready to dance. Because your moves and the Holy Spirit moves need to be mixed together so that this may be beautiful, in hopes that you then have life breathed into you as you would then breathe life into others. But this isn't always the case, and I would like to just tell some stories this morning about dances that did work, but I want to start, one, start with one that didn't. And it's a pastor in the Christian Reformed Church that told me this story in our classes, <coughs> who... <clears throat> who told me that he doesn't tell the story very often, but he had a moment one time where he was speaking in front of his congregation. And he had a moment where this feeling kind of came up the back of his spine. And he's not anybody different than, than any of the people that I would say I know because I was legitimately surprised that he would speak this way. I knew him quite well. And as he spoke the story, he said, it's, it's not that I was surprised that happened, because it seemed kind of normal. I feel things all the time. I feel hot. I feel cold. Even though this didn't really have an explanation, I felt it. It was just obvious to me that it, it came up, and, and it was just this, this fuzzy kind of zippy kind of feeling. And, then it, and he was trying to put words to the Holy Spirit, which has always been a challenge for anybody who tries to testify to what they have experienced. 
as is the case with Acts 2. Well, what happened? What does this mean? He says, I don't know. But I'll tell you what happened next. This feeling simply went into the back of my head and came into the back of my mouth. For a lack of better words, he says, don't get all weird on me, Rick, but just kind of came. I'm going, I'm not going to get weird on you. He, just, he says, it, just, it was just a feeling. And, and, but I, I knew that the words were, I love you. But I had a message planned. <laughs> and although I knew that that was in my mouth ready to be said, it didn't really fit in, in, in what I was doing. <laughs> and so he said, I, I had it right there. I knew it. This isn't normal for me. But what I did next wasn't right. I stopped my message and I said, God loves you. And he was telling me this story because he wanted to dance with the Holy Spirit. But because of his ways and his agenda, he felt that that concept that happened to him that day would not fit. And as much as he took the Lord's word and put it into another sense of communication. He, he testified to me that he was disobedient. And then he went on to say to me, if it happened again, I might still not know what to do. I love this because he was confronted with the Holy Spirit, wants to dance, and in his confessional nature, as we did this morning, said, I sometimes am at a loss as to how to participate in a dance of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not telling you his name. I'm not telling you anything other than it's a beautiful story when someone tells you how they dropped the ball. And it's not about the, the bigness of it. It's not about the intents and purpose of it. It's about who the Holy Spirit is and that we need to continue to practice in order to dance. There is something about the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 that helps us pin it down. It is the, the Greek word kairos that helps us understand that this is in the moment. That's nothing new to us, but that's the legitimate term that comes out of the Acts 2 and the presence and the gift and that day when the Holy Spirit shows up. Chronos is from chronological, which is, you know, time. That's not what we're talking about. That's the opposite of kairos. Kairos is in the moment. And so, for a lack of a better term, what happens in Acts 2 under this Greek concept of kairos is a type of giving life, birth, that is needed to take place. It may not always be clear to us what it is that is being given life, but that is why we need to continue to practice the dance or the cooperation with the Holy Spirit. 
Here's another dance story. Another Christian Reformed pastor. This, this one from Grand Rapids, who I, in, interestingly enough, got into the conversation about the Holy Spirit. And his story was that he had a friend that he had worked with for a long time who was coming to church. And in this morning service that he went to, to lead as I am now, had a little bit of an interesting feeling. That's not always the best words. Very difficult to wrap it up as, as he was having difficult. But he, he knew something was wrong. And what a gutsy move because he told me that he went over to his praise and worship team that morning and said, could you like do all your songs at the beginning because I'm going to go get Jim. And they, they knew that the pastor knew Jim, and, but this really isn't the time to go get Jim. But he said, I need, I need to go. Can we do this? That praise and worship team said, well, if you want to. The congregation is going to really wonder what's going on when you walk out the doors and you don't come back for a half hour and we're singing and singing and singing. But he did, which is why he told me this story. Because sure enough, when he went to Jim's place, just a few blocks away, he found him in bed, slept in. Long story short, Jim had been clean for a long time, had fallen off the wagon last night. Pastor said, I really didn't know what to do, again, being very confessional. But I was prompted to go to his house, and so I did. And I thought, well, I probably should say, Jim, it's okay. Can you get ready in five minutes? And we'll come back uh, to church. So uh, basically, Jim said, okay. And uh, again, I'm, I'm probably uh, missing a lot of details. But the point is that when Jim came back to church, as you could very well tell when the pastor walks in with someone at, at 11 o'clock halfway through the service that you are probably not going to be worshiping the Lord. You're probably going to be looking over saying like, what is going on? Which is exactly what happened. And in this context, the pastor stood up, was going to lead after the praise and worship team had run out of songs, and he says to me, he says, you could tell, you could just tell on everybody's faces that they needed to know. Ah, he says, and I just wanted to have this as a worship service, but he struggled. And then he went and said, I know that all of you just seen me walk in with Jim. And I just want you to say, I just want to tell you that last night was a rough one for Jim. And I think maybe it's appropriate if we stop the service now for a moment. And maybe a few of you who really know Jim could just pray for him here. You stand up and pray. So. I'm just listening to this story like, a, like, wow, I cannot believe you did that. And he says, nor can I, but you're not going to believe what I did next, he says. And I go, it gets better? And uh, he goes, not in the way that you would think. So a few people who knew Jim prayed over him. And in that context, that pastor felt well about everything. It was a little bit of an explanation. We had some prayer time. And he seen people's eyes well up with tears. He could see their postures were, were filled with moments that needed to give life to Jim. 
He knew it. But he stopped after the three people prayed. Even though he knew that there was a welling up of the Holy Spirit, you could just feel it amongst the people in the church. And this pastor told me that day, he says, you know what I did next? I said, let's open the scriptures to Acts chapter 2. He didn't say the the text, but he says, let's open the scriptures and read the word that we um, have set for today. And suddenly the tears went away. People grabbed their Bibles. And he struggled because he thought you could never say in your entire life as a pastor that the wrong thing would be to read the scriptures. But there was a moment in which the Holy Spirit wanted to give something and bring life. And he said, I killed it because I was disobedient to what I knew what was going on. Now there are so many dances that can happen in our lives. These are big stories, but I tell them only because it helps us understand what people are going through when they finally disclose through their confession what has been happening in their life. And he says, both Pastor 1 when he dropped the ball in his dance, and Pastor 2, when he carried the ball but then didn't finish the whole thing on dance number they both said, I'm at peace with the Lord because we drop the ball all the time. We step on the Holy Spirit's toes all the time. We miss a lot of the birth-giving, life-giving, wonderful moments the Holy Spirit looks to usher in, whether just gentle and small or loud and, 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 and exciting. But we miss so many of them. Because we have such a gracious Father in heaven, it's okay. But learn to dance with the Holy Spirit. Spend the 80 years or 20 or whatever to learn to dance with the Holy Spirit, understanding, trying Him, testing the Spirit as we read in Scriptures in order for us to, maybe like Harriet said, have some fun. This is the beauty of who our God is and that He has given His life, as Peter made it very clear in Acts 2, so that we may have life abundantly. I actually have this written here in in my notes. Ministry time. God wants to enjoy and have fun with his children. And I didn't really know if I should say that because fun just really isn't the the word that helps, but it, it does a little bit. But in all this, we need to understand that we have a relationship with him that is embedded in love. We need to be in that relationship with Christ We also need to know that the Spirit has been doing this for a long time, from the days of creation when it was hovering over the emptiness, to Deuteronomy 32 when we read Spirit hovering. It's a story that that helps us understand where the eagle is in the nest hovering over its babies. And if you're into eagles at all, you will find the the majesty and the mystery of, of this eagle hovering over its children as a way to drop the oil off her wings to the baby's wings so that they may leave the nest and live their lives. And this is the, this is the inside analogy of who the Holy Spirit is as it hovers, bringing life, bringing birth, rebirth. 
We will miss many opportunities. But here are four things worthy to write down, to memorize, to understand when learning to dance with the Holy Spirit. One, that we would cultivate an awareness. That we would always be practicing. This isn't something we put on as a program or do for others that we tell and lead in some type of workshop, but that we simply work at cultivating as we do in this time of gardening in order to prepare ourselves for the awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence. Is this perhaps a time in which He gives life? Second one is facing an emptiness. This isn't something that always has some grand ending or a huge excitement to it. But sometimes there is a loyal obedience that seems to be an ongoing emptiness that helps us in our preparation for this birth, for this new life. And we know that because sometimes when people talk about how this wonderful thing happened in their life, they inevitably refer to something before it that seemed to be quite empty. It's hard to tell the victory when you can't tell the story of the war. And so in the void, we see the nothingness in which the Holy Spirit creates somethingness, and we get to be part of that. Cultivating awareness. Number two, facing emptiness. Number three is obedience. This has to do with the disciplines in that we would continually then be listening to the scriptures. We continually practicing a conversation with God. We continuously be on alert just in an experimental way but knowing that we are in training to dance with the Holy Spirit to, to give spontaneously as we, as we walk about for no other reason than to be in training for the dance. And then fourth, the risk of vulnerability, which is something that we'd rather not face but need to understand is fact. Because if you're living in Acts 2, you know very well that there is a risk. Risk of what might happen. A risk of what you look like. A risk of, is this really what I'm supposed to say? Uh, in fact, uh, in, the, uh, in conversations with the Holy Spirit, I, I, I've experimented. And, and again, I, I, I don't mind leading in that fashion because I, I, have the, um, I have the ability to look dumb and not worry about it, I guess. <laughs> and so I once uh, had a word from the Lord and it just didn't go anywhere, right? And, and if you really want to know what it was, I, I just uh, remembered saying uh, fences. Fences. And this, this isn't who I am, but I, I, so I just says, does this not mean anything to anybody? Fences? And uh, people kind of like, well, what are you talking about? And I go, uh, I, I don't know, I was just kind of trying that word of the Lord thing. <laughs> and I'm pretty honest about it, and I, I don't mean to joke about it, but I, I, had to, I have to try. Yeah, and then, you know what, not, not more than a day later, um, I was talking with uh, some of the same people, and uh, one was a woman who I didn't really know too well, and I had another word. And it was a word that I didn't want to say because fences didn't work yesterday. And I just thought, you know, I, I like coffee, and I just want to go for coffee. I don't, 
And I don't have to say this word. I don't want to say this word. And, and, it, and it wasn't like I had this really huge battle, but I knew what was going on. And so I said, uh, you know, does relationships mean anything? And, and the woman starts tearing up. And the long story short is it, it was the bridge to her just naturally telling me that she struggled in, in, in this relationship. And, I, and I'm kind of like, relationships is this word I might as well say dirt or something. Like, how broad can you get? But I look back thinking, was, was God just testing me with the faithfulness of the fences word? Am I going to say it? You know, hey, Ricky, come on. You know, is God just having, I don't know, but I do know that there's something about us continually in our ways of, of cultivating awareness, facing emptiness, and being obedient and risking vulnerability that brings us to a place that I felt on those two days. I believe that as we read the scriptures very carefully that in Acts 2 there was much of these confusing feelings, especially when they were embedded in a tradition of the Old Testament. How is this going to work when this is the way we've been trained all our lives as Jews? And now the Gentiles are thrown into the mix too. This is ludicrous. I can hear them saying this to each other as well. But as we cooperate, Knowing that we're going to miss lots, we continually persevere to join God in what He is doing in order to say yes more than no. In order to add and multiply in hopes that we get to participate in the life-giving moments of the Holy Spirit. A few more stories as I close that make it more personal for me again. And they have to do with what has been taking place right in my own backyard. One was simply a time, and I believe I told this when I preached here last time, but it, it's a very interesting story that, that has no big ending. But I was prompted, putting up my block party sign, to, to go down the road because a guy who's my neighbor was out trimming his caragana bushes and I know that he, as a trucker, doesn't get up till four in the morning or he, he spends his wild evening so long that he sleeps until 11. I just totally know. So in some ways I was thinking, why is he up? And just that cultivating awareness made me think, well, I better just go down the road and say hi. Um, because if I just do nothing, I don't think I'm nailing this thing about dancing with the Holy Spirit. So I'm trying to be intentional without being weird. And as a result... He opens up a little about why he's cutting his bushes because he just flew in last night. And I go, why'd you fly in last night? What were you doing in Nova Scotia? My mom lives there. And I go, oh, I didn't know that. Just a normal conversation. Gotta go because it was Sunday morning and I did have to preach in Wolf Creek that morning and it was getting on to be within an hour. So, hey, I get the feeling about I don't have time to talk to you. But I had to have time. I had to. There's just something welling. But it would have been so easy to Bailey. What are you doing in Nova Scotia? He goes, a year ago, my mom had cancer. And I was there for her funeral. And I went, oh. Now, I don't suppose that this is going to happen that way for you. And it won't happen for me again that way. 
And that's why the dance is always new. It's always fresh, which is why we need to cultivate the awareness. It's never going to happen like Acts 2. It's always going to be your story. And it's always going to be different because the Holy Spirit looks to breathe life through you. Not through something that had been done before so that you can duplicate it or count on it happening that way. Which makes it beautiful because we have to depend on the Holy Spirit making the steps right. Another one was at uh, last Christmas where a neighbor actually who does not know Christ and I was really looking for an opportunity brought Christ up which is a no-brainer because it is Christmas. She said something along the lines of this baby Jesus thing and, and she started to bake huge open windows and I just stood there. You guys, the extrovert evangelist preacher guy just stood there to just dropped the ball. Didn't say a thing. And I walked away wondering about my own guilt and whether I would ever be able to, 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 to allow for myself to have opportunity to share with this neighbor. Yeah, and then there's a story of someone who just happened to walk by. Anyways, they go on and on and on, but just to be present, to be faithful, to cultivate awareness, to be obedient and to risk vulnerability gives us an understanding of what's happening in Acts 2 and what should happen in our lives as the gift of the Holy Spirit comes and breathes life through us and among us. Amen. Amen. Let's sing and respond with our hearts and do that with the praise team's leadership. Spirit of God who dwells within my heart. Let's stand and sing that together.